The game is over. Your Bucks postgame show starts now. Welcome to Bucks Talk. Insight, analysis, and your chance to sound off on the game you just heard. Now to break it all down, here's your host, Justin Garcia. Four straight wins for the Bucks out of the All-Star break. Defense starting to find that identity that Doc Rivers uh, said was imperative as soon as he took over, asking this team, what's your identity? Didn't really find any answers. And stress to the group, look, the identity has to start on the defensive side. And that's what we've seen, not just in these four games out of the All-Star break, but it's especially been apparent in these games five times now in the last eight games that the Bucks have held an opponent below 100 points and before you start to push back on that and say well three of those were against the Charlotte Hornets one was against the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid those points are fair but you're still holding an opponent below 100 points in the offensive era of the NBA, where teams are scoring at a record pace, year in, year out, the team with the top-rated offense in the league is posting the top-rated offense in the history of the league. We've seen more and more scoring. It doesn't matter who's on the floor or who isn't on the floor. To hold a team below 100 points and to start to do that consistently is very impressive, and it's made even more impressive when you look at where this team came from at the time of the coaching change, the Bucks have the 21st rated offense in the league. 21. They're in the bottom 10 of the league. And the company that they were keeping is not where you wanted to live. It was around teams like the Detroit Pistons, the Washington Wizards. It wasn't anywhere near the top half of the league. It's not only that 21 number. It was the gap in defensive rating between the Bucks and between those top 10, not even top 10, between those teams just slightly better than league average in the top 15. It was going to take a lot of work to move close to that. And coming into the season, we knew the defense would take a bit of a step backward when you looked at the absence of Drew Holiday. Now, We should point out, because everybody mentions, well, no Drew Holiday, you knew the defense would get worse. Let's not undersell some other players either. Javon Carter is a loss. Wesley Matthews is a big loss defensively as well. So you add all that up without those guys, arguably your three best, by a wide margin, best perimeter defenders. I'll even go as far as saying, you know, Grayson Allen was a better defender than he got credit for. Now, I'm not going to suggest Grayson Allen was a good defender or an all-NBA-level defender, but Grayson Allen was assignment short. Slowly but surely, we've started to see the rest of this team round into that. Grayson Allen's biggest issue was his size. You lost a lot in terms of your connectivity and chemistry on the defensive end, but especially individual defenders in Wesley Matthews, in Drew Holiday, and to a lesser extent in Javon Carter as well. But knowing all that, 
the goal, and I do think it was a realistic goal and expectation, was this team is probably not going to be a top five defense. I think it's it's fair to say they're certainly not going to be a top two or three. They're not going to be elite, but they can be better than league average. And my expectation, I know I talked about it a number of times early in the season on this show, on Bucks Weekly, elsewhere, was, look, this team, I think they'll finish somewhere around 12. If you can get to 10, awesome. 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there is where this team will probably live defensively. And with the offense being what we assumed it would be, that should be good enough, at least in the regular season. The question is always is, is going to be the playoffs, and how does that translate? You saw the offensive portion of it for 43 games. That's the funny part is how much the two sides of the ball have kind of flipped, and it's become the inverse. At the time of that coaching change, your defense was 21st, your offense was 3rd. In the games played since, it's your defense that has shot up the charts. Your offense has taken a step backward. Now, you haven't had Chris Middleton for a lot of that. You had three games you played without Brooke Lopez. You had two games you played without Damian Lillard. Chris Middleton has played 110 minutes total since Doc Rivers took over. But I think there's a number of things that go into the offensive number taking a step backward. We'll get into that tonight. But the big thing to keep in mind is don't focus so much on that number in terms of how many points per game are the Bucs scoring or what is their offensive rating. I understand it's not great. It's not where you envisioned it would be. It is getting better. But half-court offense is what's most important to analyze and keep an eye on. And, and how do the Bucks perform there? Because that's what you need to have in the postseason. That's what the Bucs didn't have in the last five postseasons. They had just enough. In 2021, though you won that championship largely due to an elite defense, one of the best playoff defenses we had seen in years. You made the trade for Drew Holiday as a gamble on offense. Or excuse me, you traded Drew Holiday. You made the trade for Damian Lillard. Gambling on offense, but most specifically half-court offense. We didn't have an offense that was good enough in the half-court. This is how we can juice it, and, and we know... The old adage of defense wins championships, that's true. You still have to score, right? You you can't win zero to negative one. You still have to put the ball in the basket. And we had seen this team fall short of doing that in the last two postseasons especially. I understand there were injury issues. You didn't have Chris Middleton. You gave the Celtics everything they could have asked for in that series. Uh, That year, though, you still had the 11th offense in the playoffs out of 16 teams. Very similar last year, albeit in a much smaller sample size by way of a five-game series loss in the first round. But your half-court offense wasn't good enough. You need guys that can take and make and create tough shots in the half-court. Chris Middleton was far and away your best player at that. You add Damian Lillard, who is even better than Chris Middleton when it comes to that, You have Chris Middleton, who we haven't seen yet, again, 110 minutes that he's played since Doc Rivers has taken over. Um, But you had Chris Middleton as a supplemental score in the half court. You still have Giannis, and we're continuing to see that chemistry and that two-man game between Giannis and Damian Lillard get even better. The half court offense is what's important. It's not just 
Are the Bucks scoring in fast break? How many points are the Bucks putting up? How are they doing it in the half court when a defense is set and game planning for you? And while their overall offensive rating was, I think, 17th at last check coming into tonight, they were ninth best in the half court. That's the important part, and that number is only going to continue to climb maybe tomorrow, though I doubt it, most likely either Monday or Wednesday when we anticipate Chris Middleton makes his return to the floor. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. It's the Bucks make it four in a row out of the All-Star break, so it's been a tale of two uh, halves, close to a half, start of a half. With the way they went into the All-Star break, those back-to-back disappointing losses, after a very good win, arguably your best of the season, but the way they have come out of the break. You know, you, you said going into that break, and I said it on this show, you're four games back of the Cavs in the loss column. You looked at the divisional record. I'll get to that point, too, because that's what makes tomorrow huge for the Bucks and the Cavs. But knowing all that, knowing it's it's going to be tough to get the tiebreaker, you're four back in the loss column, in many ways it felt like you were locked in at the three seed, and now your goal for the second half or post-All-Star break schedule was don't slide down the line. Don't go down to four because that is a potential disaster. And now the Bucks have come out in this second half schedule and done everything that we were asking for. They've started to find that consistency And again, you can dismiss it and say, well, two of the wins are against the Hornets. One is against the Sixers without Joel Embiid. But it's consistency that this team has not had. I've mentioned a number of times on this show, they have been one of the best teams in the league against the best teams in the league. Third best win percentage against teams in the top 10 in net rating. Only the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Boston Celtics have been better against those top tier teams than have the Bucs. They have consistently shown you they can beat any team in the league. But unfortunately, before the All-Star break, they consistently showed you they can lose to any team in the league. So to me, that's what makes these last three games especially all the more encouraging is you have started to find that consistency and you're now beating teams you should be beating. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. I shared some numbers on the uh, network postgame about this offense and some individual performances. We'll get into that. Also give you the latest on where this team currently sits, not in the standings, but those numbers we just went over, offensive rating, defensive rating, and how the Bucs have played in the half court. We'll get to all of that and hear from you after this on Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. Come back to Bucks Talk. One eleven to ninety nine, Bucks beat the Hornets. They complete a four game season sweep against Charlotte. Four and zero out of the All Star break. Uh, fourth time this season, the Bucks have had a wire to wire win. It, it it's a, a stat that uh, it once was a staple of the Bucks. It slowly drifted away, but now it appears maybe just maybe it's starting to make a comeback here. Um, for the Bucks under Doc Rivers. Speaking of under Doc Rivers, since Doc took over, so not the coaching change per se, 
Uh, but Doc Rivers taking over as the coach of the Bucks. Fourth best defensive rating in the league. Within shouting distance of the Golden State Warriors. And then you have the Miami Heat and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Two and one, respectively. But fourth best defense in the league. Better than the New Orleans Pelicans, who have been pretty good defensively all season long. Better than the Cavaliers, who have been one of the three best defenses in the league all season long. Better than the Boston Celtics. That is the level that the Bucs have played at. Again, don't come to me with who have they beaten and, and who hasn't been on the floor. Because, look, going all the way back to the coaching change itself, it has been an absolute gauntlet of a schedule. You have had two games against the Cavaliers. Two games against the Denver Nuggets. Two games against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right there is six games against teams in the top three of their respective conferences. You've had the New Orleans Pelicans on that schedule. You had the Dallas Mavericks, who have been rejuvenized, just had a win streak, and have been one of the best teams in the Western Conference for the last two weeks of play. The Phoenix Suns on the road. It's been a tough, tough tough schedule and it's going to continue to be a difficult schedule Uh, tomorrow in Chicago is not going to be easy but unfortunately by way of where the Bucs were at going into the break it's a game you need to win for a number of reasons one of them we'll get to when we bring up the Cavaliers but you got two games left against the the uh, Clippers you have two games against the Lakers you've got two games against the Oklahoma City Thunder you still have the Celtics twice. You still got one more with the uh, the Sixers. I doubt Joel Embiid will be back for that. There's not a whole lot of layups on the schedule from here on out. And I believe there's just two games between now and the end of actually one game between now and the end of March. This was one of them, one game left between now and March 31st that will be played against a team that is currently outside of the top 10 in their conference. So from here on out, in the month of March, you're playing playoff teams is what it equates to. We had this conversation a couple of years ago when, coincidentally, the Bucks were also the three seed and went on to win the NBA championship of schedule and who you play going into the playoffs. And there is something to be said for maybe you're better off to have that type of challenge, to be battle-tested, to have those opponents in I'm not going to say play playoff games, but much closer to a playoff game than if you were playing a stretch of what's what's going to be for the Bucks um, from the time Doc Rivers took over. Actually, from the time Joe Prunty began as the interim coach of the Bucks until the end of March, it's going to be a stretch of I believe 29 games where the Bucks are playing against teams that are in the playoffs or play-in tournament. And I do think that's going to help you get ready for the postseason. I think we can make a little much of that at times. What's most important is what this team is doing. They're making clear strides. They're getting better. They have cleaned up a lot of things. And we have just seen this team play much different. It's also noticeable that there is a swagger around this team. And I think their confidence and their attitude has certainly changed. That is just as important as getting tested against those opponents. The other part of it, the third leg, is health. You've had a lot of it. 
Chris Middleton is the last remaining piece. You need that. You need him to get healthy, and we think we're moving closer to that. 855-616-1620. The number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Take your thoughts on what we've seen. These four games out of the All-Star break, again, don't let anybody tell you it's not impressive because two of these games were against the Hornets and one was against a Joel Embiid-less Philadelphia 76ers team. This team, I hesitate to say turned a corner, but this team has clearly gone up, not just a level, a couple of levels, and this looks more and more like the team we all envisioned to see earlier this season. And as Damon Lillard himself said in that now infamous interview that has been picked apart, he thought, they thought, they were going to have the season the Boston Celtics are having. So far they haven't, but it doesn't matter if you don't have that type of season in May and especially June. I don't know that the Bucks had a chance to do that. Now, I'm not just saying it was the coach, everything that went into it. This isn't an indictment on Adrian Griffin per se. It's everything. Everything that was around this team, the way they were playing, the way it looked like this team was connected, I don't know that they had a chance to be in that conversation prior to all of that happening. Now they do. I don't think you can deny that. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll get to those numbers where the Bucks rate defensively. And speaking of individual performances, the number that will surprise you the most when we look at individual players on this Bucks team, we'll get into that conversation after this on Bucks Talk. You're listening to Bucks Talk. Uh. The round ball repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. One eleven to ninety nine final in Charlotte, where the Bucks do it again. Not only win, hold an opponent below one hundred points. Four straight wins out of the All Star break. Um, numbers post All Star break. I hesitate to even point these out because I have uh, long preached sample size and its importance on this show and other outlets. Four games is not a sample size per se. It is certainly not what you're looking for. Um, not that 10 games is even a lot, but you want at least 10 games. With that out of the way, in these four games, the Bucks have a 101 defensive rating, second best in the NBA behind only the Oklahoma City Thunder at 99.8. Second in defense, Fourth in offense at a 122 offensive rating. Second in net rating at 21 behind only the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have a 22.2 net rating. They have the same offensive rating as the Bucs as well. So you have the Bucs and the Thunder tied with a 122 offensive rating. And again, before you rush to say, yeah, but. In those four games that the Bucs have played with this 122 offensive rating, three of those games have been against teams that have a top 10 defensive rating in that same stretch. The Charlotte Hornets have the ninth best defense in the league post-All-Star break, one of the best for the longest time 
It was the best defense in the league since the trade deadline. And the Minnesota Timberwolves remain elite defensively. Three or four games have been against those two teams. Good defenses. And the Bucs have the fourth best offense during that stretch. Again, you need to see more of it. You, you certainly need to see more than four games. But it's a hell of a start for this team. And I expect those numbers to climb. Once Chris Middleton comes back, Doc Rivers essentially said you're, you're not going to see him in all likelihood tomorrow. He may be with the team. Um, but Adrian Wojnarowski had the report earlier in the week. He's about a week away. That would line up with either Monday or Wednesday when the road trip begins on Wednesday. So that would be basically four weeks. And as we mentioned, not only the All-Star break, I remember talking about this with Pat Connaughton and a few other players in the last couple of games, maybe the All-Star break came at the exact right time for this team. Doc talked about that a little bit before the game, too, and said, you know, when when they first pushed this back, because remember, the All-Star break used to be much earlier in February. Um closer to halfway through the season. Right now, the break comes after you've played about two-thirds of the season. But Doc Rivers said before the game tonight, you know, when they first pushed things back, I didn't like it. But now I love it because it seems like it comes at the time you need it the most, that time off. And the play that we see from teams coming out of the break, the Bucks included, right? He mentioned that game last night between the Lakers and the Clippers. The way you see teams play and and seemingly re-energized and you basically get to see playoff caliber games, I think a big reason why you see that is because of the All-Star break. Because it comes at a time when guys need the rest, you get re-energized, and then you're focused and you're ready for the playoffs. I think the Bucs needed the break when it came, obviously for that reason, but... It lined up with, number one, injuries and absences were starting to pop up for basically the first time all season. The Chris Middleton injury, Brooke Lopez missing three games for the birth of his first child, Damian Lillard with some things to tend to. You had guys going in and out of the lineup. You had a coaching change. Two coaching changes, for that matter. You had a very difficult schedule with a five-game road trip. As your new head coach starts, five games on the road, one day of practice and all of that, it was a lot. And it just seemed like, okay, we need to take a timeout. We need a break. It came, and you needed to see this team respond. They have. But part of this offensive number, part of it is Chris Middleton's absence. Another part of it is the way they're playing defensively, and Doc Rivers has talked about that a number of times. Of Look, we're playing harder defensively. we got to get conditioned for that. It takes more out of you. And there's a mentality, and you have to get used to that, and I think we're starting to see that on the offensive end. But the bigger thing of all of that, biggest thing of all of that, to me, outside of the Chris absence, is the way they have slowed things down. They have been much more efficient. Their pace has dropped. I know this was asked to Doc before the game as well. Uh, Their pace has been really in the middle of the pack since this change. But as Doc Rivers said, you know, I don't really pay attention to that pace number. I think a lot of times it can be fool's gold. I'm more looking for ball movement 
and the way we get into actions and what we're doing in the half court. And all those things I like. And part of it, too, as he was quick to point out, is, you know, we've been getting the ball to Damian Lillard a lot more. Dame doesn't like to play that that fast and, and pushing it. He's going to slow things down, so that's going to slow down our overall pace. But that's the way you see games played in the postseason. They are playing more of a playoff style with their defense and the way they're getting into their offense. You are finding some more things between Giannis and Damian Lillard. On the show last night, we talked about some of those changes and Doc Rivers going to Giannis and Dame specifically and asking them, where do you want the ball? Tell me some of the things that you guys like. And trying to coach them out of, don't just say whatever, tell me what you want, and we'll work around that. We'll figure out how to put that in. One of those things Damian Lillard wanted was, I want my screen set to the right. Right, not to the left, not at the nail. I want him to the right, and I want him further out behind the three-point line. So I can go to my left. That's where he likes to take a step back from. And so if Brooke Lopez is setting that screen out near the three-point line or just past it, it gives Damian Lillard more runway to get going downhill and to finish at the rim. Think about that, number two, the way that his free-throw attempts declined. You weren't seeing Dame, number one, get the whistle. But you weren't seeing quite as many attempts around the rim. That has started to change, too. And that's part of Doc Rivers coming in and saying, these are the stars. These are the guys that are going to be most important to us. How do we get them going? But especially, how do we get Damian Lillard going? Uh, Some of those numbers I talked about with individual players, I will share those coming up after this. But also, why tomorrow is very important for both the Bucs and the Cavaliers. We'll get into that discussion next on Bucs Talk. The Hardwood Homilies continue after this. This is Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. So tomorrow night, you have a pair of divisional games. Obviously, the Bucks is the most important to all of us. Bucks in Chicago, it's going to be a tough game. It's been a back-and-forth series the last two years now. Um, a couple of disappointing performances, but it's been a, a a heavily contested series. These two teams have been playing with one another, really dating back to right after that playoff series, and, and even before that, actually, when you, you think back to the Alex, the infamous Alex Caruso versus Grayson Allen incident. But you have the Bucks and the Bulls tomorrow in what will be a challenging game. You also have, just over the way in Michigan, the Pistons hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we mentioned you have you have caught the Cavs, technically speaking, in the standings. You are tied with Cleveland, though the Cavaliers are still one game up on you in the loss column. They have 20 losses, you have 21. And by the way, if you subscribe to the 40-20 club, we only have one option in the Eastern Conference. That's the Boston Celtics. So the 40-20 club, what that is, is, in other words, the NBA champion, more often than not, comes from a team in the 40-20 club. If you get to 40 wins before you get to 20 losses. Boston Celtics are there at 46-12. and 12. Cavaliers missed the mark with their most recent loss last night to the Bulls. So they have... 20 losses, but only 38 wins. That's it in the East. Just the Celtics. In the West, 
The Timberwolves are there at 42-17. and 17. The Oklahoma City Thunder are there at 41-17. and 17. The Denver Nuggets are there at 40-19. and 19. And that's it. With the Clippers' loss last night to the Lakers, they're out of the club as well. So, uh, depending on what you subscribe to, there's a decent chance this year's NBA champion will be one of those four teams, the Celtics, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, or the Nuggets. But you have a divisional game tomorrow against the Bulls. Right now, the Bucks have a 9-7 and divisional record. You know, in years past, the Bucks would lose two games in divisional play. You think back to when Mike Budenholzer arrived, the dominance that the Bucks exerted over the Central Division. Now, part of that was it wasn't very good. I know you played the Pistons in the first round of the playoffs. That was one of the ugliest first-round series we had ever seen. Bucks won that series by each game, an average margin of victory more than 20 points. Pistons were not very good. Bulls were going through it. They were rebuilding. They were not very good. Cavaliers had just lost LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. They were rebuilding. They were not very good. And the Indiana Pacers were not very good. Then slowly but surely, a handful of those teams, really everybody but the Pistons, started to get better and better. Bucks still dominated the division, but this season that has not been the case. 9-7 and seven record with one divisional game left. That's tomorrow night in Chicago. You have to win that game. If you are focused on the two seed. Now, I don't think the Bucs are. I think they're focused on, let's just keep playing this way. Let's keep playing better. Let's get healthy. That's all we care about. That was the mantra going into 2021 as well. They didn't want to dodge anybody. They didn't care who they faced. You knew, if we play this way, we're going to get the heat in the first round. So be it. Let's get the heat. Let's beat them. And let's keep moving through. But. If you lose that game to the Bulls, you're going to be nine and six in division, and that's nine and eight. I beg your pardon. That's it. That's what you would finish at. Cavaliers are eight and five. They have three games left within the within the division, and only one of those is against the Indiana Pacers. Two are against the Pistons. I believe two are against the Pistons. So you need to win tomorrow against the Bulls, and you need the Cavaliers to win one of those remaining three games. If that happens, you will be 10-7. and seven. The Cavaliers would be 9-7. and seven. So you would have the divisional tiebreaker. I point all this out because there is no head-to-head tiebreaker. You played four games with the Cavs. You split that series. So it's going to come down to your divisional record. So... Right now, you're one back in the loss column. You're tied in the standings, but you still got to leapfrog them in the loss column. So either you need to outplay them down the stretch, or you need to to basically play the same as the Cavaliers. You need to catch them, but you need Cleveland to lose within the division. And they have one of those games tomorrow against the Pistons. So that's the scoreboard watching you need to start doing. But as we said, I don't know how much importance there is on seeding because either way you slice it, there are landmines out there. You know, if you get to the two seed, Bucks were the one seed last year. They had to wait to see who are we going to play. 
and it was unfortunately the Miami Heat. You're the two seed. You still get one of those playing tournament teams. Right now, the four teams in the playing tournament, the Indiana Pacers, the Orlando Magic, the Bulls, and the Atlanta Hawks. Now, if you're on that two line, you can't play the Bulls or the Hawks. And that's what makes that even more interesting. As you know, well, it's it's whoever finishes seven or eight. It's one of those two teams. And again, the Pacers are in that mix right now. The Sixers are only removed from that by way of a head-to-head win. The Miami Heat, same story. So two, three, four, because of how bunched up the Eastern Conference is at any of those three spots, you could get the Pacers, you could get the Sixers, who will have Joel Embiid back. You could have the Miami Heat. There is no real re- real easy opponent that's out there. Even the New York Knicks. I don't think the Bucks are going to slide to fourth. And I think this start, you got to keep taking care of business against tougher teams. But I don't think they're going to slide down to four because it does seem, number one, like this team is playing much, much better and at a different level now. But also, you're three games up in the loss column on the Knicks. You have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So that's four games. Knicks would have to outplay you by four games the rest of the way. You have 22 games left. They have 23 games left. We're starting to get to that point in the schedule. That's a lot. That's a big ask. If you could choose an opponent, I think you'd choose the Orlando Magic. It's a very good defense, but it's a team that doesn't have a whole lot of postseason experience. You got you got our old friend Joe Ingles there. Uh, not a whole lot of postseason experience. Not not really any shooting to speak of. I think that's the team that everybody would point to. Or any of those teams at the bottom of the playing tournament. The Bulls, the Hawks, right? The Celtics are, are, are the team that's, if they make it through, that's the Celtics, the only team that could get them. Nobody's catching the Boston Celtics at this point. 34 games above 500, 8 games up in the loss column on the Cavs, 9 up on the Bucks, with 24 games to play. Again, they're on pace to win 64 games. The Bucs have 22 games left. Even if they went undefeated, Bucks would get to 61 wins. So that's what makes this push to the playoffs all the more interesting. Is This is not the Eastern Conference of years past where you knew, hey, as long as we're one through three, we're good. That 4-5 matchup... That's the only series that's going to be interesting. We've seen that gradually start to change, but I think even more this this season, it really, really stands out. I promise those individual numbers. We will get to those coming up after the break. There are some things to note of Giannis, but again, one guy in particular who a lot of feedback has come in about on the negative side. And maybe, just maybe, you jumped the gun on him. I'll tell you who that is after this on Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. Bucks keep rolling defensively, getting gradually better and better on the offensive end as well. They take down the Hornets in Charlotte tonight, 111 to 99. So, speaking of the offense, there are a couple of players that really stand out offensively. Damian Lillard seems to be of late, and I know it wasn't the greatest in terms of the stat line tonight, but by and large, what we've seen from Dame recently. That's the guy you, you, you anticipated to get. And credit to Doc Rivers. 
for some of the things he's installed to get him going on the offensive end. But that one guy that is probably owed an apology by a lot of people in the Bucks fan base is Pat Connaughton. Since January 1st, Pat Connaughton leads the team in effective field goal percentage at 67.1. Better than Giannis, better than Malik Beasley, better than Damian Lillard. 67.1 effective field goal percentage from Pat Connaughton. Tops on the Bucks since January 1st. And again, those three-point numbers, that is another thing to point out in terms of what Pat Connaughton has quietly under the radar been providing you. I mentioned Giannis shooting 37% on threes since January 1st. It's not best on the team. That belongs to Pat Connaughton, who is shooting 45% on his threes since January 1st. We'll wrap up the show after this on Bucks Talk. You're listening to Bucks Talk. The round ball repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. All right, four straight wins for the Bucks out of the All-Star break. Defense continuing to look very, very good. And now we just wait for Chris Middleton to make his return. I doubt it's tomorrow. It may come Monday. It may be Wednesday. But it's a big one tomorrow, a divisional game, your final divisional matchup. The Bucks in Chicago to take on the Bulls. That's a 9 o'clock tip. Make note of that tip time. 8.30 is when our pregame coverage begins and as always, be sure to stick around after the game for late night Bucks talk. We'll talk to you then.